As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. A family in limbo, caught in a cycle of uncertainty and fear. These people have totally destroyed me. Family and friends of a missing woman crippled by the reality of what probably happened, but desperately holding on to a shred of hope that it didn't. Until I have proof or until she comes to that door, whether she's on her own two feet or I'm carrying her, then I'll believe whatever happened. All fighting for answers to solve the mystery, but running out of places to look and questions to ask. It's just, it's just not right. Just one tip could help solve the case. This is Fox 4 Problem Solvers Crime Files, the podcast. I'm Kara Small. I'll be home tonight. I'll see you in a little bit. 11 short words that make up the final text sent from 18-year-old Desiree Ferris to her mom, Patty Tam. Three years later, with that text burned into her mind, Patty is still waiting for her daughter to walk into their home just north of Kansas City. Not knowing is just... It's almost unbearable. Patty is shouldering that burden day after day, month after month, realizing that her daughter is probably dead, but not knowing for sure. A potential murder case is not something Patty or her family ever expected to be a part of. Desiree Ferris grew up just north of Kansas City in the suburb of Liberty. It's miles away from the violence associated with the area where Desiree likely spent the final moments of her life. In Liberty, she lived in a typical raised ranch home two and a half miles from Liberty High School. Patty talks about her daughter as a typical teenager. She's she's beautiful. She's got a heart of gold. Um, she's got big, beautiful brown eyes. She's got a laugh that's contagious. She could just light up a room when she'd walk in. Typical 18-year-old girl that thought that she was invincible, nothing would happen, and she just trusted the wrong people. Desiree's mom says trusting the wrong people as she got older led to some issues in the life of her 18-year-old daughter. It also left Desiree questioning herself and trying to decide what she wanted to do with her future. She had dropped out because of some issues at school. And she kept saying that when she turned 18, then that, summer, that June or so, her plan was to get her GED. I mean, she always said she wanted to be a model, but I see what happens to some of the models. I would tell her no. I mean, she was all legs. I mean, she was only like five, one and a half, but she was all legs and she could have done it. Patty says Desiree is beautiful both inside and out, but teenagers aren't perfect for anyone. Patty says she knew her daughter smoked a little weed at times. But several months before Desiree disappeared, Patty says something changed with her daughter. That something turned out to be Desiree's new boyfriend. She had a boyfriend that she had sort of seen in like September. And I mean, she was just, he was the one, I mean, he would text her or call her and she'd get all giddy and giggly and when he would come pick her up she'd be giggly and they were talking about the future. 
Those plans came to an unexpected end for the young couple May 2nd, 2017. As her boyfriend worked at the Ford plant, Desiree left the house to hang out with a group of friends she met through one of her ex-boyfriends. Her family believes the group eventually ended up in South Kansas City that night, about 25 miles south of Desiree's home in Liberty. She texted my older daughter at like, I guess, 1.30 or something like, between 1 and 1.30 a.m. that she was on her way home. See, when I get home, love you. And then there were some other messages between her and <clears throat> some other people or whatever shortly after that. Then everything stopped. Patty says she knows that because she pulled Desiree's cell phone records as soon as she realized her daughter was missing. And I got onto Verizon and checked my, my account because her phone's on my account. And I seen that all activity had stopped at like, what was it, like five, between four and five a.m. on the second, all phone activity, everything completely stopped. No social media, no. And that's when I went into panic mode. She would always, if her phone was about to die and she didn't have a charger, she would always text me or if it died, she would text me from somebody else's phone saying, my phone died, it's charging. I blew up her phone um, with calls and text messages, her Facebook. It would go straight to voicemail. Once I started calling, like the next day, it went to voicemail. Um, and I had, a, I had just a pit in my stomach. From the time I realized everything had stopped, from that point on is when we started to Facebook creep. Anybody that was associated, we got onto her Facebook, anybody that was mutual friends and whatever, um, we got all the information. Names, addresses, phone numbers, um, vehicles that they drove, I mean, you name it. That morning when I filed, I gave them everything. Pandy says the problem the night Desiree vanished is that she caught a ride with a friend that didn't have a way to get back home. She believes Desiree eventually convinced someone to pick her up. According to court documents filed by Liberty Police, that guy is Robert Jason Keegan. Through court documents and witness interviews, this is how Patty believes her daughter spent the hours before she disappeared. She says Keegan and Desiree were together on May 1st. At some point, she believes Keegan dropped Desiree off at a McDonald's on Van Brunt Boulevard in Kansas City. Witnesses told investigators that another man picked her up. His name is Mark Arzola. Witnesses told police that for some reason, Arzola drove Desiree 20 miles north to another McDonald's restaurant in Desiree's hometown of Liberty. Then the pair turned around and drove 20 miles south, the direction they'd just come, to a house at 81st and Highland in South Kansas City. At some point, Desiree and Keegan met back up because when police questioned Keegan, he claimed to have dropped Desiree off at 72nd and Troost on May 2nd and simply drove away, then did nothing. We don't know where Keegan claims Desiree went after he stopped the car. There is an apartment complex at 72nd and Troost. Across the street is an empty field. There's also a funeral home and a cemetery. It would make sense to leave her at the apartment complex, but police have come up empty investigating that area of the city. No matter what actually happened, Desiree's family believes Keegan and Arzola are the last two people to have seen her alive. The two people who actually have answers about what happened to the 18-year-old. The problem is that they're not talking. Both men have criminal records and spent time in prison before meeting Desiree. Keegan is currently serving 18 years. Investigators busted him in an unrelated meth and weapons case less than two weeks after Desiree's disappearance. Desiree's mom, Patty Tam, says investigators tried to get information about Desiree from Keegan following his drug arrest. 
We was told at one point that when he, the attorney general or whatever prosecutor went to talk to him, he wouldn't tell him anything. He wanted full immunity on anything to do with her disappearance. What does that tell you? These people are just like below pond scum. I mean, they're like the bottom of the bottom. I get to the point where I get so pissed that I just want to take matters into my own hands. That anger fuels Patty and the rest of her family and friends to do something. They say when police ran out of leads, friends and family stepped up to do anything they could to find out what happened to Desiree. They even organized and started searching for clues and witnesses themselves. We went to the house that she was at when she got picked up and plastered. Um, flyers everywhere <laughs> the house with a staple gun. I never even knew what a trap house was until this and some god-awful places. I mean, I had never been in South Kansas City since before this. It's an abandoned house, whatever, that these druggies take over and that's where they make their drugs, that's where they sex traffic, they prostitute people, but they're just nasty houses. And we've had like four of them tore down already. I'm not a, allowed to go into some of them places um, when we go searching like areas. I have to stay back at the tent or the tables or whatever um, because they don't want me going out there and they don't want me to be the one to find her. I couldn't do this without like, this group of people. Each person involved in the massive search efforts has one goal, to find Desiree. This is a friend of the family who goes by the name Spike. He's joined the family on more than one search. It's aggravating. It's really aggravating. It's, uh, it's emotional when you go out and do a search and you have a hope or glimmer that you know that's going to be the search and you're going to find her and you walk away with nothing it's it's definitely it's it's emotional um it's nothing what the the family's going through we're a lot closer today than we were when we first started and we're a lot closer today than we was six months ago i mean we know every step that they took that night we know every person that was involved we know what happened you know we just want to get where she's at. They've looked all over the metro. Search parties have actually found the remains of other people and helped police close other cases. But so far, they don't have the answers that they desperately want. They're tired. They're frustrated. They've even hired a private investigator, but so far, no trace of Desiree. Patty hasn't even been able to find her cell phone. She says the closest thing they've come to finding it is when detectives pinged it nearly two weeks after Desiree disappeared. Two weeks at end, the PD finally got her ping, got a search warrant to, for Verizon to get all of her pings. And um, I don't know how they can tell if it was turned off or if it died, but they said no, it was physically turned off. They followed the pings and searched the areas her phone went in the minutes before Desiree vanished. Those searches turned up empty. Something else that's tough for Patty to accept is that someone physically turned off Desiree's phone. That was a blow. That only fuels Patty's speculation that someone did something to Desiree, that she didn't just disappear. Patty did get new help months later. 527 days after Desiree vanished, she was added to a list kept by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Patty hoped it would bring new national attention to her daughter's case. But so far, any information generated by adding Desiree to the list has not helped find her. 
Patty says the weight of not knowing what happened to her daughter or where she is right now is crushing. I deal with the what ifs. What if I would have stayed home that day? It was my birthday. What if I would have stayed home? Would she have left that day? So I deal with that guilt. Um, I wish I could turn the clock back and stay home that day. These people have totally destroyed me. I'm not the happy-go-lucky, free-spirit person that I was 973 days ago. Go to bed, that's the first thing I think of. Wake up, first thing I think of. Um, I sleep with a gun on my nightstand because these people know where I live. I look in all my windows when I leave work. I look in all my windows of my car. Just, and at the beginning I would look under my car. I shouldn't have to live like that. My other daughter shouldn't have to look over her shoulder every single moment that she steps outside. This has affected a lot of people. And as far as for me and my other kids, it has destroyed everything in me. There's days that I just, I don't care anymore. I just don't want to continue. My other three kids and my two grandkids, if it wasn't for them, I can't guarantee I'd be sitting here. I'd probably be in jail or something worse. They've already lost their sister in some way. Um, I can't do that to them. I don't think I can make it through another year. Without her home, I need her home. Takes everything I have just to get up out of bed and just to function through the day. The thought that I'll never get to hear her say I love you mom or hear her laugh, see her smile, see her big brown eyes, it destroys me. Patty says she can't handle those feelings of helplessness. So she got moving, doing whatever she can think to do in an effort to bring Desiree home. She insists she will not stop searching until she gets answers. Until I have proof or until she comes to that door, whether she's on her own two feet or I'm carrying her, then I'll believe whatever happened. We're not, we're not gonna let her be forgotten. Um, we got a group on Facebook, bring Desiree home. Um, she's got an army of people that aren't giving up and going away. We've done billboards, we've had fundraisers, we've plastered flyers everywhere, um, talk shows, Crime Watch Daily, People Magazine. Patty says her life largely stopped May 2nd, 2017 when Desiree didn't come home. Desiree's room is exactly like she left it. Patty says it comforts her to have a little bit of her daughter around. Her room is pretty much the same. I mean, besides the big poster boards that we hung up, I mean, it's just Bruno Mars or Michael Jackson. <laughs> if I'm having bad days, I come down here. It just, I feel closer to her. It's as close as I can be for now. I picked up her makeup because her makeup was scattered all on the floor when she left that day. We just put it in the makeup bag and then um, my other daughter made that because it's got her name in the front of it that glows in the dark. The lights, she's always had lights up around her closet. But yeah, her Bruno Mars plaque, uh, her picture, her radio. This is actually the same bedding that was on there when she left. Everything in here is hers. This was her home. And I'm not gonna move nothing. I'm not gonna change nothing. It's all, it's all gonna stay like this until the day she comes home. Patty says it's not just Desiree's room that has stayed the same over the years. Her phone is still activated. Okay. I can't bring myself to shut it off. I don't want nobody else to get that number. I mean, that might, sounds crazy, but 
and then if by some chance she is out there and I mean she can make that phone call I just can't I can't bring myself to do it but going through it all Patty says there's one thing that nearly breaks her but also keeps her going nearly every day there's people out there that know where she's at but nobody will speak up whether they're afraid or um just to I I don't know we have a separate tip line if people don't want to call the co the one for the PDs we have a separate tip line you could call text whatever and it's anonymous put on gloves get a burner phone drop a letter in the mail I mean just anything to just to say where she's at and it's just nobody will if anybody knows anything just make that call I mean what if this was their child or what if their mom was living this nightmare she didn't deserve this she deserves to be home with her family she's got so many people that love her she, she didn't do anything to these people for them to take advantage of her and to hurt her all she wanted to do that night was to come home it's time to help bring Desiree home and give her friends and family answers. It's as easy as calling the tips hotline with the information that will help police find Desiree. That number is 816-474-TIPS. Now remember, all tips are anonymous. You can also email your tip to CaseyCrimestoppers.com or send your tip through the Crime Stoppers app. You can download it at p3tips.com. To listen to other episodes of Fox 4 Crime Files, search for them on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, as well as fox4kc.com. For Fox 4 Crime Files, I'm Kara Small.